Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show podcast, the horror movie podcast, where we talk about films off of the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Good. I have one question for you at the start, though. <laughs> oh, God. What is it? Do you ever wonder about all the oh, different God. ways of dying? You know, you know, like violently <laughs> and wonder, like, fantasize? what would be the most horrible way to die? Uh, I think it would be surrounded by old men. Yeah. And then they would pull all my clothes off and start biting me and eating me alive. Yep. That's that sounds about right. I mean, I think that's a universal universal answer. Yeah, I answer. think that's one of the like common phobias that lots of people have. I think so too. And uh if you're wondering that was uh if you're wondering why we brought that up, it's because today's movie <laughs> is The Great Return of the Living Dead from 1985. Usually on the show we do a, a movie off of the 200 best horror movies list that I mentioned, but every 5 episodes we do a wild card picked by either myself or Amanda, and this time it was my pick, and I chose Return of the Living Dead, one of the premier horror comedies from the '80s. And I'm 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 very sad that it uh, is not on the list because I think it deserves to be. Um, had you seen this before? No, no, I had not. Were <laughs> a you, resounding no. Were you were you aware of it? it? Not really. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, uh, this is one. This is one of my favorites. I've seen it many, many times. Um, the, you know, I, I know this is a stupid thing to say now, but this was one where I think the first time I watched it when I was a lot younger, I don't think mm-hmm. I appreciated how funny it was. So I think I watched it um, for the first time, thinking like, "Yeah, that was, that was fine for a zombie movie, I guess." And it was only like when I came back to it. <laughs> a few years later and watched it again where I, I realized exactly what was going on, um, which really elevated it uh, up the ranks in my uh, in my favorites list. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that happening. Like I, I can see if I had discovered this when I was, you know, like 13 or 14 being kind of underwhelmed by it, but appreciating it more when I was older and realized that it's supposed to be funny. Right. Well, what's fun? Well, we can we can talk about it more when we get there, but uh, let's get through the paperwork first. Um, yes. The uh, <laughs> We'll play the trailer real quick, and then we'll come back and talk about it. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. You see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead. Listen from the grave. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Frank, we have a little problem. Boiler! Ten right! Let's go, Jack! 
puzzle. Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brain, right? Yeah. Brains. <laughs> brain. is nervous. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now. Bring the movie line! It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The Return of the Living Dead. All right. Return of the Living Dead. Directed by Dan O'Bannon. Written by Dan O'Bannon. Story by Rudy Ricci, John A. Russo, and Russell Striner. Starring Clue Gulliger, James Caron, Don Calfa, Linnea Quigley, and a whole lot of brains. Uh, Amanda, what happens in this movie? Well, Clay, when Foreman Frank shows new employee Freddy a secret military experiment in a supply warehouse, the two klutzes accidentally release a gas that reanimates corpses into flesh-eating zombies. As the epidemic spreads throughout Louisville, Kentucky, and the creatures satisfy their hunger in gory and outlandish ways, Frank and Freddy fight to survive with the help of their boss and a mysterious mortician. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So some things you will find in this movie include rabid weasels. Mm Mm-hmm. Indian skeleton farms. Real thing. A bald merkin. Gotta have it. (laughs) Punk as a way of life and not a costume. The truth. And Clay, you you vouched for shoehorning this one in. (laughs) Questionable. Parenting. Well, I mean, just look at those kids. You know, those kids <laughs> don't those kids. those kids don't come from well-rounded, <laughs> solid backgrounds. You know, they're a bunch of hooligans. No, this I don't is... know. Spider Spider <clears throat> seemed pretty put together. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tina seems like she's got a good head on her shoulder. She seems like she comes from probably a fairly stable uh, background. But uh, no, yes, I, so not... <laughs> I I was trying to. W- I don't think this one, this one probably doesn't count officially. We've reached our first one that does not feature questionable parenting as a uh, prominent trait from the movie, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that we, I think we have to let it go on this one. Ugh. What's even <laughs> Sorry, the point? Clay. What's even the point anymore? <laughs> we can't, we can't rename this questionable parenting the podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing we can keep going uh, based off of, the last handful of movies we've gone, it's come up a few times, is the idea of using based on a true story ahead yeah. of your ahead of your very much not based on a true story movie. And we'd uh, we'd covered <laughs> uh, House of the Devil, which used a, a based on true events tag, which was referencing a real period of history during during the satanic panic of the 80s and early 90s but the story itself right. was not something that ever actually happened um right we've got texas chainsaw massacre which it presents itself as 
actual events that have happened um but is is only loosely based on uh something like a couple different uh real life horror stories um yeah this one is very very much not that and very <laughs> it's very much just using it for the sake of using it and i actually i actually even appreciate the backflips they do where they don't yeah. where they in order to use it they also in order to use it and make it a sequel to night of the living dead which is something i'd like to get into as well they say um it's based on true events then in the movie the characters talk about the fact that night of the living dead also is based on true events and what is happening and- in this movie is a continuation of the real life events that happened in night of the living dead and Night of the Living Dead is also a movie in this movie's right, reality. Right, right, yes. <laughs> so it's also a movie that was based on true events. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I I think I like it in this one. I, I think um, when we talked about House of the Devil, I was a little annoyed by the usage of it in mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think that the film tied itself tightly enough to that sort of source material i guess sure, you would say sure but in this in this one i like it because it's funny yeah it's it is so clearly meant to be a joke um that it's kind of yeah. hard to give it crap for it whereas house of the devil yeah. <laughs> and probably to an extent texas chainsaw massacre you are capitalizing on uh real life things that did happen in order to amplify your own story but in this one it's I mean, unless unless the government just did a really good job of covering it up, this never actually happened. I mean, the deep state is out to get us. Yeah. So. Well, I I also like that they they treat the government with about as much respect as you would ex- uh, could um, hope for from a movie like this, where it's once they <laughs> once they stopped the uh, zombie outbreak, they actually lost a bunch of the stuff that caused it to be zombies, and uh, yeah. they, it's just in a basement somewhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, just got misdirected. So before we talk about uh, the movie itself directly, I did want to talk about the production history of it a little bit because it is very fascinating. So mm-hmm. um, John Russo was also involved uh, in the making of Night of the Living Dead with George Romero in 1968. When they parted ways, Russo retained the rights to any title featuring Living Dead while Romero was free to create his own series of sequels, beginning with Dawn of the Dead and then Day of the Dead and, you know, blankety, blankety, blankety of the dead to come after that. Um, (laughs) Russo and producer Tom Fox planned to bring Return of the Living Dead to the screen in 3D, directed by Toby Hooper, which didn't happen because he left to do a movie called Life Force, which is a wacky-ass movie. Um, And Dan O'Bannon was brought in to do the script, uh, give the script a polish. It was actually based on a novel written by Russo called Return really? of the Living Dead. But it the finished movie has very, very little um, relationship to the novel. And originally this was going to be a hard, like serious sequel to Night of the Living Dead. But O'Bannon, wow. uh, out of respect for Romero, didn't want to um, tread too heavily on his territory. So he rewrote the whole thing and made it more of a dark comedy. Um, the, the personal connection that I have to this movie, uh, and, and it's subsequent rights weirdness is that, uh, Russo eventually took 
Night of the Living Dead and released it for its 30th anniversary with a bunch of added scenes newly shot to go with the movie, um, which are absolutely terrible. They are really, really, really bad. (laughs) And off of that, he made a sequel to the this new 30th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead. And that sequel is a movie called Children of the Living Dead, which is a movie I oh. hold very close to my heart as being one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it has brought my friends and I countless, countless hours of joy watching that movie. Um, because it's just that bad. Yeah. I, you know, just bring it up with your husband. And I'm sure the reaction that you get from him will will speak volumes. All right, will do. Uh, so yeah, so it's a weird, <clears throat> it's a weird right split thing going on here. Um, and uh, this movie actually has a lot of stuff in it that is ultimately firsts for the genre, the zombie genre. Um, mm. It seems to be the first usage of zombies, specifically going after brains. It yeah. actually uses the word zombie in the movie, which none of Romero's movies do. It has huh. running zombies, and it also has smart zombies. So I would actually argue this movie has as much, maybe not as much influence as Night of the Living Dead, but this is probably like number two in how uh, much influence it has on the genre as a whole. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I, I definitely... I think when when we watched it and we were chatting, I picked up on the fact that I, I think this is the first or maybe the earliest zombie movie that I knew of that was like very brain centric. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like where it was that specific, they're, you know, like moaning and groaning and actually saying brains, mm-hmm. which becomes such a zombie stereotype. But I actually, when I thought about it, had a hard time thinking of another zombie movie I have ever seen that actually does that. Right, yeah. It's it's this and um the uh the zombie episode of The Simpsons from the ha- the Treehouse of Horror, <laughs> which is actually the zombies in that episode of The Simpsons are very close to this where they they talk and they they want brains and they're uh they come from all different generations of dead people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's that and then there's um you watch, you watched Community, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's that Halloween episode of Community where they have the the Halloween dance and yes, the like yes. gas or the, the 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 government rations or something get mm-hmm. handed out as catering and they all become brain eating zombies. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this yeah. this has this movie has a lot of influence, I think, on the horror genre, and it's um, it's prop it's well known, but. I think it's probably not as well known as it deserves to be. I get, uh, they're actually um it didn't exist on on home video until um someone named Mike Allred who may or may not be the comic book creator Mike Allred, I'm not sure. Uh created a web page and essentially started a campaign to get it released on DVD. So maybe it was it, it did exist on VHS but it didn't exist on DVD. And wow. he actually had to uh contact he helped Dan O'Bannon, the, the director, get in contact with MGM to help uh, them work on putting it on DVD, and it has has since come out on Blu-ray. Um, but it was it's kind of it's this a bit of a forgotten gem, and I really uh, love introducing this movie to people when I get the chance because I think it's so much fun. Um, oh yeah, 
it's such a product of the eighties in its uh, music and it's uh, the, the whole style of it, the uh, humor. This was the, um, the heyday of the horror comedy. Uh, this mm-hmm. was a great year for horror comedy. Actually, this was the same year reanimator came out and it's, oh. it's actually very similar tonally to reanimator, I think. And it even has yeah. uh, kind of a, I sort of like a superstar, 80s horror superstar cast of like second build people in, in 80s horror movies because it's got uh, Clue Gulliger, who was also in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. It's got uh, Miguel Nunez Jr., who was also in uh, Friday the 13th Part 5, and uh, Linnea Quigley, who is one of the more famous, uh, for lack of a better term, scream queen actresses. Um, although she was, ne- she was never like a final girl type character. She was always kind of like the crazy wild character as is very clearly <laughs> Gee, on display why. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole history of this, I, I wasn't aware that it was like not kind of not available for so long. It makes me feel a little bit better about the fact that I knew so little about this movie going into it. And I, I hadn't really encountered it in any way before. And I, I, I'm like, I'm happy. I'm excited that we got to do it because I I really enjoyed it. It was like a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. It's, it's so great. It's, um, no, to, to talk about the actual movie a little bit. Um, (laughs) one of the things I love about it. So it's in this, they actually give a explanation as to what causes people to come back from the dead which in night of the living dead and subsequent movies i love that they don't but in this one i love that they do because it is so first of all it does separate it from night of the living dead but it is also Mm -hmm. so silly and over the top yeah like it's very very rare i can't think of another maybe world war z or something that that involves um a third act climax where they call the military and the military nukes a town (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, maybe maybe 28 weeks later or one of those true yeah yeah uh so like tying the zombie outbreak to uh haphazard chemical chemical handling by the uf u.s government i think is hilarious and yeah. um it also uh it takes a very what's the word a very integral part of generally how zombies work away which is traditionally you shoot a zombie in the head, destroy the brain, you kill the zombie. They take that away in a, a spectacular manner where they yeah. uh, <laughs> they don't just not die. Nothing you do can kill them. So they just keep coming back and perpetuating. Nothing you can do can stop this from happening, which I also really love. And uh, oh. The line, the line that really gets me every time, which is a line that went right over my head the first time I watched it, but really pinpointed the comedy for me, is when uh, they try to kill that first zombie and it doesn't work. And and Freddy, I think his name is, says it worked in the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, or, or Frank says it worked in the movie. No, I'm sorry. Freddy says it worked in the movie. Then Frank says, well, it didn't work here. And then Freddy says, you mean the movie lied? Yeah. Which <laughs> kind of sums it all up, the, the humor, humor for me. It's that is such a great exchange and such a great moment. And I, I also I really like the, I like kind of the switcheroo that this movie does, where it starts with the living, like the the humans, thinking, 
oh yeah go after the brain target the brain mm-hmm. and then it swaps for the then the zombies are the ones going after their brains right yes yeah and i just i love that like i just think that's such a clever way of like just kind of like flipping the script on everybody and it's, it's like has a lot of uh a lot of irony to it yeah and i i also really love how um they they have the the for, let's just say human characters um yeah for simplicity for sake. simplicity's sake all, they always think that their solution is like they've you know oh, that was easy no problem everything's all yeah. tied up and tidy but they end up making it worse every time and yeah. this has this has that evil dead thing that i've talked about before where the ball starts rolling and it never stops rolling it doesn't yeah it, the escalation continues yeah it, it never it's not there's no um there's no limit to how far this thing spreads. The zombies just keep coming. It does over it. It feels overwhelming in a way that sometimes these movies don't because they can only, you know, it's like we yeah, we've got twelve people to work with and a farmhouse in the middle of the nowhere. We don't really get the sense yeah. that this is spreading a, a, far and wide. Um, but they manage to keep the ball rolling and just it gets re- more ridiculous and more ridiculous and more intense and more intense and and. Uh, I, I really appreciate this movie quite a bit and how, how they kind of take the zombie thing and turn it on its head. Yeah, it's definitely really fun. And when um, when you finally get to see the tar zombie yes, that comes out of the canister, he's so good. Like, he's just so gross yeah. looking and creepy. And the way that, that actor who, who is like dressed as him, the way he moves and the eyes, it's so great. Yeah, as we were watching it last night, I, I I did say this movie doesn't have as much gore as I remember in it, and I was thinking in terms of other movies of this era, which are, have a lot more um, visceral special effects of like you know limbs being torn off or torsos being the Tom Savini type stuff, where you're just yeah. really getting like gore and viscera thrown all intestines everywhere yeah and and while this movie does have that like there's there's (laughs) there are moments there are moments and they are moments used very well whether it's the tar man biting into uh suicide's head there (laughs) suicide's head the the scene later on which i don't think i ever really appreciated i don't think i've watched this movie on a big screen uh the last time i watched it was probably on a small tv in my basement so i don't know if i really picked up on all the details (laughs) But um, the scene where the zombie climbs into the ambulance and says, send more paramedics before he does that, (laughs) he's sitting on the ground in the rain with his face just like in a dude's head, just showing down on his brain, which is awesome. I've never seen that in a zombie (laughs) movie before that that level of just like getting in there. Yeah. And just kind of like sitting there like there's 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 no quick cut. There's no like sudden movement it's just him like sitting there like somebody would be eating a bowl of cereal yeah exactly yeah it's like he's (laughs) just eating a brain he's got a bread bowl of clam chowder and he just got to the bread part (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it doesn't have all of the zombie like attack sequences are very bloodless for the most part there's a couple it's mostly they had like one effect where they had like a really good bite into the head effect but um yeah any other time people get overrun, there's no ripping and tearing. There's no, uh, you know, 
biting down on people's arms and then pulling the arm off. They saved their special effects for more um, unique things, whether it's the yeah. uh, tar zombie, which is fantastic, or the uh, the the emaciated torso zombie that they pull in and talk to, which is yeah the tor- the torso woman. Yeah, that that stuff is great. It's so they found a way to make you know, quote unquote, another zombie movie, but really, really make it unique. Yeah. And it's interesting when you compare this to um, the other horror comedy movie we've talked about with zombies, uh, Dead Alive. Sure. Because if you look at these two next to each other, you know, in, in terms of like the the overall genre and the general concept, they're they're pretty similar. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But in execution, they're very different. Like, Dead Alive plays, I think, a little more with the humor, like a little more overtly with the humor. Like, there's more kind of like slapstick. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then. This one's definitely get... more tongue in cheek than. Yeah. <laughs> than than uh, Dead Alive is. Dead Alive is pretty broad. This one, you kind of have to pay attention to, to see what's going on. Yeah, def- yeah, and I think that's interesting, and I think that makes me like this one more. Mm. And I think the usage of gore in the two of them is really fascinating because they both work, but one chooses to go way, way, way over the top with the gore, and this one chooses to kind of like piece it out in very specific moments and not, not just kind of like use it willy-nilly but like have really specific times where it's gory and then times where it's not where it's not really focused on that yeah they 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 definitely pick and choose their spots in this movie which i which i really appreciate um because yeah i think you very easily could have if you if you just decide if you if they didn't put that much thought into i guess telling a different story essentially um you could have had great gore special effects by the top guys in the business but this it might not have stood out as much because it would just feel like another uh you know another intestine fest you know yeah where i think i that's not to say dead alive is not inventive in its excess because it very much definitely is yeah (laughs) but i think this movie particular in particular Given the time it was made, given the uh, how popular the genre was, uh, horror in general, and how many great special effects guys they had working at the time, um, you de- you could have easily run into the problem of of making of this just kind of falling between the cracks. Is just ah, it's a it's another horror movie, but um, yeah. they they definitely found a way to uh, uh, rise above. Um, and one of the things that I also think is really funny that I don't think I ever really appreciated before is uh, <clears throat> if we want to talk about the characters in this movie. This mm-hmm. came out in 1985 uh, in right in the pocket of the 80s horror boom. You've already got, I think, four, possibly five Friday the 13th movies at this point. Nightmare on Elm Street is out. They've done at least three halloweens um wow they've there's a whole glut of other slasher movies thanks to the uh the friday the 13th boom um and they're all geared towards teenagers the Mm -hmm. the the characters are always teenagers the the uh heroine heroes heroines are always teenagers 
the heroes, the ostensibly the heroes in this movie <laughs> are two middle-aged guys. Yes. And really bucking two, two middle-aged guys named Bert and Ernie. <laughs> and in a in a in a way that really bucks the stereotype, the other guy who you could argue is a hero in this movie is the the one black guy in the movie. Yeah. He he's he's uh uh he's very smart. He thinks through things. Like there are multiple scenes where you've got that character whose name uh, I can't remember at the moment. I'll have to look. It I up believe very quick. his name was Spider. Spider, you're so good with the character names. <laughs> you've got Spider and uh, Spider Burton Ernie. Spider Burton Ernie, just like very calmly <laughs> sitting around, practically talking about what their actual options are and the pros and cons of each of them, and they're actually com- and coming up with a plan. Them. Yeah, yeah, like like okay, all right. So if you go for the car and i cover you here from the door if the zombies cut you off then we should have somebody over here to do and you're like oh wow that's very thorough yeah yeah and you very rarely get that kind of practicality out of characters like those or like these in movies like this because it's always so focused on the teenagers and this one the teenagers are are pretty dumb (laughs) across the board Except for except spider. For, except for spider. And like, <laughs> you know, you think, you kind of think when this movie starts, at least I do, that Tina is going to be the main character only because that's the way it would work in 95% of all of, of other movies like this. She's the, yeah. the, the normal, quote unquote, normal girl who hangs out with the, the weird punk crowd. And, you know, is in love with her boyfriend. And so you've got that going on. And so you assume she's going to be the main character. But then it turns she turns out to be completely useless. Yeah, more so than anyone else, I would argue. Arguably the most useless character I've ever ever seen in a horror movie. (laughs) She's so bad. And I mean, I I think that's on purpose. Like, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, because even the the sort of like, she lives in denial of what's going on mm-hmm. so much further into that movie than anybody else. Yeah, she is kind of a little bit like, um, uh, what's her name? Oh, I can't remember the character from Night of the Living Dead. The 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 girl from Night of the Living Dead, Barbara, of course, Barbara. Oh yeah. In that, she's Barbara. just sort of she's just sort of there to um, scream, scream, and and react that way, <laughs> and kind of go catatonic. Uh, oh, funny enough. Yeah, and, and look afraid. Funny enough, um, the actor in Night of the Living Dead who says they're coming to get you, Barbara, is Russell Striner, who is one of the writers on this movie. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole, everybody knew each other, and then they all split and got into rights arguments with each other for 25 years. <laughs> um, That's what happens when you when you do these things. Yeah, but it's it's just so fascinating to me that this, like I, I, I have to assume Dan O'Bannon must have been in his middle age when he wrote this because it very much <laughs> kind of feels like how a middle-aged man would practically handle these situations yeah. while also having to deal with a bunch of punk kids. Yeah, literally and figuratively punk kids. Yes, yes. And speaking of the punks... I just love, I love their, their costumes. Oh, the punks are great. They are... So uh, each one of them is so unique and they each have their thing that they're into 
and they're just hilarious. They have such uh, um, all of their lines are are quotable and memorable. Whether it's um, talking about the worst way to die, or uh, <laughs> you know, punk. The, nobody asks suicide what he thinks. You know, he's got things to say. My yeah. my favorite bit in this whole movie which I never really picked up on before. It's just a stupid little thing, but I laughed for like legitimately five minutes is when, um, okay. Oh, I, I don't know the names in this movie. Uh, when Casey and mm. Chuck, I think are sitting in front of the, uh, mausoleum and they're, oh, ki- yeah. they're kind of just, t- you know, uh, Chuck is trying to get into Casey's pants or whatever. And then they kind of, she makes a snide comment about how, uh, sensitive or something, uh, suicide is and then right after that yeah. suicide just walks across frame goes hey fuck you ball buster and that's just the end of the yeah. shot <laughs> I left for like five minutes nobody understands me you know what I fucking bust my ass for you guys and what do I get you spooky fuck you man fuck you all I like it spooky I mean I got something to say you know what do you think this is all about you think this is a fucking costume this is a way of life. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya? Yeah, because it's so, like, they're all such ridiculous and over-the-top characters, but mm-hmm. they are all so, like, fully themselves. Yes, yeah. Like, you you know who and what those characters are pretty quickly, and they just lean way into them, and and it's just like, yep, that's perfectly in character for suicide. Yeah, who we know nothing about really. Yeah, he's got, but it's just like a perfect moment from him. He's such a great design. He's got like the paperclip thing going from his ear to his nose, and a big X yeah. X shaved into the back of his head. It's great, and the matching X on the back of his jacket. Yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> so, another another way that i never quite caught the first time that this was supposed to be funny is even down to the ridiculous naked dance scene that happens which is very very famous uh it's probably (laughs) the first thing next to the tar man it's probably the the first thing that people think of when they think of this movie and i wonder why yeah yeah and uh i if if you don't realize that it's a comedy again Saying that now sounds so ridiculous because it's so clearly a comedy. But if you if you're not expecting that, it seems so weird and so exploitative and over the top, which it is. But yeah. it's also very firmly tongue in cheek there as well because as she starts taking her clothes off, someone from off screen goes, "Stat trash is taking her clothes off yeah. again." Like it's <laughs> no, no. He's he's way more excited about it than that. He goes, he, it's it's one of the other the other punk with the mohawk, and he says like, "Hey, somebody get a light over here. Trash is taking her clothes off again." Okay, well there you go. Well either way, like either way, it's, it's like something this is that a normal thing that happens yes, yeah. on like a Tuesday night, and they need to make sure that they all gather around and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird, but it's so clearly played for the ridiculousness of it. And um, and it's it's so great the way it comes back later when she comes back as a zombie. Yes, yes. Like when the mute the same that 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 same stupid song starts playing. <laughs> yes. Um. And so we did mention 
and one of the things you'll you'll find in this movie are uh, bald merkins and the yeah. the history behind that and even as a young lad with no real no experience with the opposite sex i i realized <laughs> something wasn't quite right when she took her <laughs> pants off you're like that looks like something's maybe missing yeah she looks like a barbie doll essentially yeah uh, and apparently what happened was uh, initially this is based on i do know that at least half of this is true but this is based on an imdb trivia that i'm going to be reading here uh oh, she boy. she initially was completely naked and showed pubic hair as was the norm in the early 80s their words not mine <laughs> however the producer visited the shoot that day and according to himself and others threw a fit yelling at the director that, quote, you can't show pubic hair on television. Dan sent uh, Linnea Quigley away and had her completely shaved, which coincidentally she found to be the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. Then they did another shoot. Oh, my God. Then they did another shoot to which the producer cried out, oh, God, it's even worse. You can see everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what did he think? (laughs) At this point... They sent Linnea Quigley over to uh, the uh, special effects guys where they made an uh, alginate crotch piece resembling the bottom of a G-string and glued it on, which she said uh, was a bit of a problem. Every time she had to go to the bathroom, they had to remove it. And uh, so that's why she looks like a mannequin. It's really weird. Oh, that just sounds so painful. Yeah. And the thing (laughs) that that makes something glued. The, th- the thing that makes it so much weirder when you're watching it is that she's wearing these really weird, like front tearaway pants. So yeah, she's got she's, she's got, got, like, got tearaway shorts. Yeah, she's got these big, long, like wool socks that go that are like thigh highs, and then she's I definitely got... have those socks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, and then she's got like these black leather pants on, uh, shorts on. And at a certain point, she gets up on the thing, and she just pulls the front of the pants yeah. off. Like you can still <laughs> yeah, see the, right. the pants are still on, but she pulls you're right. them. It's like a fr- like a window. Yeah, it's like she's wearing <laughs> reverse like assless chaps backwards, and she just pulls crotchless the thing off. Chaps? Yeah, crotchless chaps, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I it's know. it's really strange, and so the fact that she does that draws your attention to the crotchal area, the crotchal region, as. Um, <laughs> Uh, as say, doctors call as it as they would say in anchorman um and so you're just you're looking at it and you're just you know you're staring at it and it just looks really weird <laughs> so i think they probably could have solved the par- the problem with just not having those very specific pants but <laughs> i mean i yeah i i really wonder like who made that decision? And then what was it like as the as the costuming person to have like the director or whoever come up to you and be like, okay, I need you to design a pair of shorts where the front half can just be ripped off. Yeah, at any time. And you're like, wait, but why? No, no, no. We need them to be like this. <laughs> okay, but why? You know, I'll give it to them. It's a It's an incredibly memorable scene. More, it's a it's a more memorable nude scene than most you'd probably see in these movies at this time. I don't think I will personally ever forget it. Yeah, are you going to start saying <laughs> that your pink hair is in is in tribute to trash from Return of the Living Dead? Hey, my hair is pink. Hers is red. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. 
they're they're very different. She's got like a like a David Bowie sort of thing going on. That's true. Yes, she's got some weird, interesting like eye makeup, like like veins and stuff around her eyes that are kind of cool. Yeah, and I, I I feel so bad for her after that point when <laughs> when the rain starts and oh, she's geez. just like, "Will someone give me a jacket, yeah. please?" <laughs> like that's when I think she becomes the most reli- like for the rest of the movie, she's either completely psychotic or uh or completely psychotic. Like yeah. <laughs> either she's crazy and alive or she's a, a brain eating zombie. Yeah, but there's that brief moment in between the two. <laughs> Where she is just like, it's wet and it's cold and I hate this. Will someone please give me a goddamn coat? Yeah. And I, I do <laughs> I do wonder if she was meant to be, um, I mean, I guess she is kind of, pro- after she gets, for lack of a better term, gets turned into a zombie, even though they don't really do that, which I did want to talk about as well. Um, yeah. Because she, she gets, she dies the way that she always feared she'd die. By having a bunch of zombies, or I guess zombies count as old men, uh, swarm her and then <laughs> yeah, they're kind of genderless her. at that point. That's true. Yeah. yeah, they're just sort of like gray blobs. Um, <laughs> I guess drown her, drown her. But as as I was saying, there's no visceral like biting and tearing when people die in this movie generally. So she she's you don't really ever see her again until she comes up out of the mud very elegantly like this you know sexy zombie monster. And I was wondering if maybe she was supposed to have more screen time because of the way she comes back and also because they've they've done a very specific makeup job on her, on her face specifically, um, where they've like they give her these scenes where the cops are hanging out outside and she comes traipsing out of the fog uh, in the in the tunnel and stuff, and they get the music playing, and it's like very kind of cool and <laughs> sexy monster scene. And uh, they also have this weird, like elongated jaw thing that they put on her. So every time she goes to bite mm. somebody, she's wearing this like giant mouth. Um, I'm not really sure why, other than to make it look like a her mouth opens larger to bite this guy. But my my point is. They seem to do a lot of makeup and design work for her specifically that yeah. uh, I was kind of wondering maybe she was meant to to be a little bit more focal or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, I had the same exact thought, like, because this, this was my first time seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised she didn't almost end up as more of like a final boss kind of right. thing. Like she feels like she almost like she's going to end up like the leader of the zombies or something. The Gozer, the Destroyer, if you will. Exactly. Yeah, she does look a lot like Gozer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I was, I was definitely expecting something more of that, or that she and the Tar Man were gonna like hook up. I, 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 I had no idea. Would this movie have been better if she and the Tar Man just like right in the camera started making out and dry hump? Well, I guess goo humping each other. I feel like then this movie would be dead alive. Yeah, that's true. Yes, it would be. (laughs) (laughs) That's very accurate. And uh, we don't need another zombie baby scene, I don't think. No, we've had enough of those. Um, Yeah, I uh, I, I did. One thing I did want to mention is I did. I do think it's interesting how they managed to still do the uh, oh, no, I'm turning into a zombie plot thread without mm. the idea that oh if you get bitten you turn into a zombie. Yeah. 
Um, because right, right. I, I liked that too because it left it left them kind of. It made more sense that they would keep Frank and Freddie around yeah. as long as they did. Because nobody really knew. It was like, oh, they breathed in this stuff. They must be poisoned. They must be dying. Like, we need to help them. There's not really that, like, you were bitten by a zombie. Obviously, you're going to become a zombie. Yeah, and they don't They don't have to do that thing where, up, oh, someone's been bitten, but they're hiding it and blah, 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 blah. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> they replaced that. You mean the Walking Dead move? Yes, the uh, every two episodes of The Walking Dead, yeah. Um, <clears throat> they replaced that with this gas uh, that eventually ends up killing them and, and turning them into zombies, but nobody knows what's going on, so they just keep getting worse and worse and worse, and everybody just keeps freaking out about it instead of yeah, it I being love... like mel. I mean, it's still melodramatic, but it's not that oh, that yeah. same kind of melodrama um, around the "oh no, I've been bitten" thing. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a lot more fun and a lot more hectic. It's still melodramatic, especially once Tina's in the mix. Oh yeah, yeah. The the she makes everything melodramatic. <laughs> yeah, once once he turns once Freddy turns into a zombie, I think Freddy turning into a zombie is is a great sequence. Um, but I think the the MVP of this movie for me is Frank. Yeah, he is <laughs> yes. so so committed to this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just goes swings for the fence with every single thing he does, and that scene at the end where he. Um, realizing he's about to turn into a zombie, uh, f- files himself away into the uh, crematorium is yeah. just brilliant. It's so good. I I like the moment pretty soon before that when they've locked they they've they've shut up Frank and Freddie in the chapel, and Tina won't. Mm-hmm. Tina is going to stay with them because she won't leave Freddie. And then Freddy finally is like, I know what I need. I need your brains and starts like attacking her. And, and there's all the commotion and they, they rush in to save Tina and they're fighting with Freddy. And in the background, you just see Frank kind of like, Whoop, yeah. Whoop, <laughs> and just like, <laughs> just sneak out the door behind them while they're all fighting. Yep. I just loved that. Like the look on his face is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's so the way that he starts to break down like emotionally as everything's happening is so good. Uh, his weird, the weird wailing that he starts to do at certain points oh is God, great. Yeah. He's just, he's just but excellent. He's, he's also like, he's weirdly like endearing in a way that oh, I feel like most of the other characters are not. Yeah. Like, yeah. He clearly is, he's kind of a fuck up and kind of a goofball. But, like, Freddy is his nephew, and he's gotten his nephew this job, and he's clearly excited that they're going to be working together, and he's excited to show him the ropes. And then at the beginning, that same sort of beginning sequence, his wife calls, and he has this very, like, sweet conversation with his wife, which then ties in at the end when he decides to um, immolate himself. He, like, looks at, you know, he puts his wedding ring somewhere, and it's just sort of like, oh, man. Yeah, he is Frank. he is definitely again the one of the middle-aged men is the most uh, uh has has the most pathos um in all in the whole movie. Like you don't you don't really care about Freddie and Tina. They're just sort of a means to an end of 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 fun zombie stuff. But but Frank right, Casey and Chuck. Yeah, yeah. But Frank <laughs> or or Trash and Suicide. 
but uh but frank <laughs> is really uh you kind of feel for him he's very empathetic yeah yeah because he feels like i think of all the characters like he and uh bert they they just they sort of feel like your friend's dad right right or your neighbor or like like we've all we've all known those guys in our lives yeah. i feel like it's that's a really good way to describe this movie is is how do you think you how do you think your dad would react yeah. in a <laughs> zombie situation watch this movie and you'll probably find out yeah and it'll probably give you a pretty good idea if you if you have a a, a dad who's a white dude who has lived at least yes. part of his life in suburbia yeah. that's what i love about about bert that's his <laughs> his his approach to everything is like what that's ridiculous. All right, it's yeah. it's actually happening. All right, well, let's deal with it practically. Like even yeah. even after uh um when they when they cut the body up and then they bring it over to Ernie's uh crematorium there and they're telling yes. Ernie what's going on. Ernie's like, "You really shouldn't have cut the body up. That was like the worst thing you could have done." And Bert says well, I like it. Bert just goes, "Well, I mean, I did what I did. There's nothing I can do about it now. So what do we do next?" <laughs> I even like just before that when they've they've brought it in 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 trash cut up in trash bags and they just say, "Well, it's weasels, yeah, <laughs> rabid weasels, yeah." And you know we just we got to get rid of them somehow. And Ernie's just like, oh, "Okay, here I got a gun, like right, right, take them outside. We'll put them out of their misery, and then yeah, sure, then then I'll burn them in the the crematorium for you." Even even it's all there, very matter of fact, even there, the practicality of 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 all the older characters in this movie is like after after uh, Ernie sees the truth by getting grabbed by the severed arm, uh, uh, Bert sits him down and he's like, "Okay." All right, I got to tell you something crazy. And then they cut away, and right. then when they come back, Ernie's like, yeah, that's pretty weird, but I guess we should probably deal with this. Like right. He doesn't right. really fight back. He's like, all right, well, I guess that's what's happening. How do we How do we deal with it? Yeah, there's none of that like kind of stereotypical, melodramatic, like, I don't believe it. This is some sort of prank right. moment. Right, right. Yeah. Like, skip right past all of that. We have we have work to do. Yes. Do, uh, do you have a favorite zombie? I... I think, <laughs> I think I just I I I love so many of them. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if this one necessarily counts, but I just love because they reuse the shot twice of the skeleton oh, sitting up yeah. in the grave, the party, and the party opening skeleton. its eyes, yeah. and then the like, "Do you want a party?" Mm-hmm. music starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just I related to that. That was me <laughs> at the age of 22, nice. just like rising from my grave every day and straight into do you want to party? Yeah. 21 was uh, naked dancing on tombstones, but 22 was dealing with the next day. Yeah. I mean, there was some overlap. <laughs> One usually led to the other and then the other led back to, you know, That's fair. the whole yeah. The whole nine yards. Um, um, but, but I mean, the tar man is so good. He's so great, yeah. Like, I don't know how I could ignore... Like, I don't know how I could pick one over that one, even though there are, like... There are a lot of really fun zombies in this. Yeah. My... um, I feel like my Dark Horse favorite zombie is... I think he's supposed to be a torso who is then runs after i think it's ernie uh on the stumps of his legs but i believe it's a i believe they got a uh, a little person 
to to play said character. And it's it's just oh, so I missed that one. Oh my god, it's so weird cuz uh, uh Ernie Ernie leaves the the um the crematorium or the morgue or whatever and he he kind of walks down and then he just looks down and one of the paramedics is on the ground and this thing is eating its head and the thing looks up at him and goes Rah! and so <laughs> Ernie starts running back and the thing the thing just like hobbles after him really quickly on like what I think is supposed to be the stubs of his like severed legs and stuff it's really really weird I'm gonna have to go back and and, and look for this one I must have been like getting a beer or taking yeah. a bathroom break or something <laughs> because I feel like I should have remembered this and I don't yeah it's real strange oh that's great um, can I just I sorry no, I just I have to we haven't we, we've mentioned Ernie we haven't really addressed true the uh the ss nazi elephant in the room yes i didn't i never picked up on this because i don't it's not quite like uh also another analog to um dead alive where there is a Mm -hmm. uh, a secret zombie sorry secret nazi (laughs) secret Um, zombie too kind of kind of yeah uh but i i always took when the fact that he has the german luger pistol i thought Mm -hmm. okay all right yeah this He's probably supposed to be at least not maybe not a Nazi himself, but maybe one of those people who is just into that stuff just to make him a little bit weird. But yeah, apparently he is both named after a real Nazi and Mm -hmm. intentionally supposed to be a secret Nazi on the run. Yeah, so he's he's Ernie Kaltenbrunner Mm -hmm. and the real life person is Ernst Kaltenbrunner. Who was a high-ranking Austrian SS official, mm-hmm. uh, and did all sorts of really horrible shit. Which kind of like I didn't know that when I watched this movie. I just knew it like this afternoon, looking at stuff. Yeah, and was sort of like, well, shit. I was really rooting for him. <laughs> well, that's what's weird <laughs> now about. I feel it. like maybe maybe should I have been rooting for the zombies? <laughs> like, is is the social commentary in this that like? We all secretly suck and should just let the zombies end us. <laughs> that's I think that's definitely the subtext of Night of the Living Dead. I don't know about this one specifically. Yeah, um, true. Yeah, I, which <laughs> I find that to be such a strange detail. I guess he has um, a poster of Ava Braun in his office as well. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, he definitely, he speaks German at some point. Um, and I, I noticed that it's it's a very brief, like, throwaway. Oh, really? I don't know if I don't know if you caught it, but like, so because I am hard of hearing, I have subtitles on all the time. Sure. So I caught that there was like one sentence where he says something in German, and that plus the pistol got me like, wait a minute, huh? What is happening here? Yeah, it's such a strange detail because it never comes up. Or yeah, it or it, it doesn't factor into his character at all. Like they don't have to talk about it, but it's not like he doesn't like well, it, give off it a kind of SS does vibe. though. Like well, but but he's still you know he's he's a like you know he he was Heinrich Himmler before or like after Himmler. Like so it's sort of like yeah he's putting I mean there there are dead bodies, but he's putting people in ovens. Sure, sure. And so there's just like. There's, I don't know, it just, it feels really weird to me in retrospect where I'm sort of thinking like, 
is there a commentary in this movie mm. about genocide and about <laughs> anti-Semitism? Like, am I supposed to be getting way more high-minded with this than I thought I was? Mm. Yeah, I just kind of left me at loose ends. I don't know what to think. But at the same time, it's not like he's. It's not like when they show him the zombies. I guess he does. He is kind of fascinated later. But it's not like he's he's like, ooh, this is interesting. I'd love to run some tests on these severed limbs. You know, he's he's the one who's like, ah, oh, you can't come in here. This is this is illegal. Yeah, you know, it's right. Like, like he's so normal seeming, right? In this world, at least. And when he does, quote unquote, run an experiment where they pull the the torso uh, zombie in and talk to it, he's not doing that out of the. At least, doesn't seem like he's doing that out of any sort of like weird nazi predilection for creepy science he's just doing it to it's a very practical decision (laughs) it is but there there is also i think a level of like weird excitement to him in that exchange sure like he's definitely kind of like he definitely kind of grins a few times and is a little Mm -hmm. bit like whoa guys check this out isn't this like cool and everybody else is like no (laughs) not cool get that fucking thing out of here that is true yeah, but it's 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 so weird because, like you were saying, it's not really brought up in any explicit way. There's there's very there's hints at it, but there's no like pointed like let's bring your attention to this. There's at no point does he say something like if he said something kind of blatantly racist mm. or was like, you know, leave the girl. She looks like she might be Jewish, and you know leave the black guy because who needs them? Let's get out of here. Then I'd be like, aha, Nazi. Yeah. Or if he's like really, really enamored with suicide because he thinks suicide is like a perfect human specimen of the area. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if there was just that, even if there wasn't anything like too obvious, I don't know. It's just, it's such a weird. He doesn't even have an accent. Like he's just, he seems like he's just from New Jersey or something. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I, I guess I just keep coming back to. It's just a very weird decision, I think, for the writers to include this, where it's it's not even just like. You know, it's not like his name was like. You know, something that halfway referenced right, right, a, a prominent Nazi. It's like no, it's the same name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. my theory is that between this and Dead Alive, both having similar things in it, I think it was just sort of a a uh, a remnant of the culture of this idea that there were secret Nazis out there who, who ran away or who escaped persecution. Sorry, that's not the right word. Prosecution. There we go. <laughs> who escaped prosecution. Um, and so it, it's always kind of like... Wow, Clay. Well, you know. Now who's the secret Nazi, right? <laughs> That's going to be the reveal at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's questionable parenting because none of these people grew up in the motherland is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I see. I see. It all makes sense now. <laughs> but, you know, there was this there was this idea in the culture that there were still secret Nazis out there. So it's kind of a funny idea to, oh, think, yeah. to think that, oh, maybe this weird guy is a secret Nazi. So it, I, I, it might be part of it's. Pro, I feel like it's probably closer to that than it is Dan O'Bannon making some grand statement about uh, sub <laughs> subtextual statement and, about society and the Holocaust or something. Yeah, no, that that that's a really good point. That it's more just like 
maybe even another layer of ways to scare people Mm -hmm. where it's a little bit like you don't like there are the obvious monsters and then there are the less obvious monsters and you don't always know who your neighbor is right yeah yeah there's like a little bit of that in it i guess too although that being said knowing that that guy is named after a literal nazi and was supposed to be a nazi on the run it is interesting that what happens is putting this body into a oven then essentially causes all of these people to come back for revenge for for lack of a better term uh so hmm. maybe there is something that i don't know maybe it's just who knows <clears throat> yeah i mean we could go real far with this and talk about how he ends up hiding in an attic that's true 100 percent. yeah <laughs> guys we've developed a whole new World War Two fascist reading of <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is this has gone off the rails. <laughs> when does it? When does it not? <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah, uh, the body count uh, incalculable because they kill a lot of people. Uh, nobody survives, yeah. and they nuke an entire town. I do think they say no. They it is calculable because I think they say after they drop the nuke that only four thousand people were killed. Only, only four thousand. <laughs> so is is this our, is this our movie with the highest body count so far? Then I think so. Yeah, so far, <laughs> this one might win. Yeah, unless we do. Well, no. I mean, I guess uh, I guess you could argue with a quiet place. That's true. That, There's like seven billion people dead. That's true. I think one of those newspapers <laughs> tells us how many people were dead. <laughs> Um, oh man! The soundtrack is full of great uh, mid '80s punk and kind of thrash stuff. It's got songs by The Cramps and The Damned, um, mm-hmm. and a, a band called SSQ, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah, I don't know them. And the song "Party Time," which they use twice, which is a great song by uh, Forty Five Grave. Uh, it's a great soundtrack. Uh, I it's a soundtrack where I keep. Every time I see it pop up as something, I think someone might have just put it out on vinyl or maybe I, mm-hmm. I saw it come out for a record store day or something. My first instinct is, oh, maybe I should pick that up. And then I, I'm i like, eh, I don't know. I'm not really uh, – the punk stuff doesn't really interest me. Having watched it again, I do think it's it's one that I would like to have. <laughs> You've changed your I mind. I have because those songs are so much fun. They are. And I feel like coupling them with your memories of this movie – yeah. It's just going to, like, it's going to lift, like, putting on a record of this soundtrack is just going to, like, lift your mood immediately. Yeah, I think so. Because it's so ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, unless you have something else you want to talk about, I think we've I think we've covered pretty much all of this movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I would just, a disclaimer to my fellow dog lover, my do- <laughs> fellow dog lovers, <laughs> Uh, there are quote unquote split dogs mm-hmm. in this, which is that a real thing? Here's a question. Is any of the science in this <laughs> even a little bit a real thing? Uh, well, like, I mean, they do experiments on cadavers, obviously. Uh, I assume. Right, so are, are Ernie's rigor mortis experiments, oh, I have no like, idea. is anything that he says close to reality? I have no idea. Come on, you have a PhD in uh, biology, right? Yeah, but I never use it. 
Uh, but yes, there are, there are split dogs which are used as anatomical models. Which and is when the zo- the split hmm. dog the split dog thing is so great because it's such a good <laughs> first step into the zombie thing where they've got yeah. you know these these for, for lack of a better term I guess I don't know if you call them mummified but they're they're half dogs that have the internal organs in them so you can they're anatomically used as uh, science aids like vet- or something veterinary yeah. and educational you know tools. instead of just having it on a poster in your veterinarian's office like they do in real life <laughs> they have an actual split dog and so to have that be have a half of a dog that's like kicking its legs and barking be your entrance way into what is about to happen <laughs> i think is is genius yeah i i liked that and then there was a um there was a board nearby went that same shot i think that had had um like butterflies pinned to it yep. and when the gas is released even the butterflies start flapping their wings again yeah it's great great so i i just thought that was that was a cool shot i thought that was worth bringing up interesting they do a similar thing in reanimator as well although they the the first outside of the first uh kind of cold open to reanimator the first step into what's going to happen is the reanimation of a dead cat so it's interesting that these oh, movies yeah. came out in the same year cuz they are very similar tonally as far as um, the, the subject matter and the way it's approached. Um, I thought maybe this was after Reanimator, so they were kind of like taking a cue from that, but they were the mm. same year, so I guess it was just in the air to have a dark, darkly humorous uh, <laughs> movie about people coming back to life. But I, I feel like that kind of thing happens, though. Like, every so often it'll just be like, well, now there's going to be two movies coming out about the middle ages or right you, you know what i mean like i, I feel like that like we've had a bunch of those in the past yeah like deep impact and armageddon yes thank you i kept thinking armageddon and i could not think of what the other one was deep impact um done yeah so i think that's gonna do it uh oh uh this is not on the list because it is a wild card pick do, uh how do you feel about it do you think it should be on the list I, 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 you know, I think it should, if for nothing else, but it does do, it establishes so many things that we now think of as almost like trite and stereotypical sure. about zombies and zombie films, like the whole brains thing. Yep. Um, And I, I just think it's kind of remarkable to not have a movie that has influenced the genre for so long at this point mm-hmm. to just like leave it off of the list wholesale seems wrong. Yeah. I agree with all that. And I think it's just, I think if dead alive is going to be on the list, I think this absolutely should be on the list. Yeah. Especially, yeah, agreed. especially with a 92%. I don't know what the adjusted score for that oh, is, wow. but it's a, uh, I don't, I think I might've neglected to mention that at the beginning, but it, it is a, on it is a rotten tomato score of 92, which is That's the same, really which is the same as the fly. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And just, again, just scrolling through this list, there are plenty of movies on here that I would switch out for Return of the Living Dead in a heartbeat. So I think it's, I think it is an omission. (laughs) We are going to have so many issues with this list. I know. Yeah. Well, hey, by the time this comes out, it may be on the list. I don't know. (laughs) Depending on how things shift around. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes is just going to keep changing this list and adding things that we say isn't on it to make us sound like liars. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm 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 ready to play that game if they are. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for Return of the Living Dead. Next time, I'm going to hit the randomizer. And we will be watching number 56, the Brian De Palma classic, Carrie. Ooh. We've had a pretty good run so far in this. this, The last few have been, uh, we've had Texas Chainsaw, The Fly, Return of the Living Dead, and now Carrie. It's a good run we've been on so far. Yeah, we've been hitting some of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. Still, it's still weird. The numbers we've been, it's, there's so many areas of numbers we have not hit, if that makes sense. Like, it just seems like we've, (laughs) there's a lot that we haven't gotten. We we haven't quite sampled uh, the entire list yet. Um, I mean, we are only 15 episodes into... That's true. 200 movie list. That's true. Three of our episodes have been our own picks. I'm very impatient. (laughs) You're just eager to get to all the material. I really am. I I do really. I really enjoy (laughs) watching and talking about these movies. And hopefully you do too. Because you can. You if you don't, you let me know. We can stop doing this. (laughs) (laughs) And this podcast is over. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, no, no, this this is this is really fun, and I am very much looking forward to Carrie. Good, I'm glad, glad to hear it. So, if you enjoyed what you listened to tonight, today, tomorrow, uh, if you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes, that would be awesome. And uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.